Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. And say, give me that. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, be glorified. Give us what we just asked for. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Give me that. Someone hollered out, give me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I was raised in church. I am what you call a church kid. For those of you who didn't know that, I am. Um, I remember growing up and the deacons would lead the song service and um, they would get up and they would lead different songs and they would pray in between songs. I do know that I'm dating myself based on the audience that some of you have no connection with any of that type of stuff, but they used to call it devotion and um, they would pray and they would sing and I also remember when the mothers that we didn't call them mothers, we call our mothers, our old, our singer uh, mothers here at the church, uh, mothers because I believe it's a term of respect. Also, it's a kind of a Southern thing that they do and I like it. So that's why we call our mothers mothers. But um, the women, the older women of the church would come together and they would make sure because we used to have Lord's Supper. Now, some of you know communion. But we had what we call Lord's Supper. And the reason it was called Lord's Supper is because it was on Sunday night at 6 or 7 p.m. on the first Sunday of every month. And I remember the mothers of the church would make um, the crackers that we eat that we call wafers. Um, they would cook them. They would make them at home. They didn't go to the store and get them. They would make them. Now, we buy prepackaged ones, but they would actually make them at home. And they would make sure that the table that we use, many of us, we distribute our communion things, but we had a Lord's Supper table. And the table, the mothers would make sure the table was dressed in white. And the deacons would dress in black suits and have white gloves on. And uh, I remember church. I, I, I remember that type of church. I, I remember choir workshops. Uh, many of the choir workshops I did myself. And we would, choir workshops are where we would meet for three days together, um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Some of those, well, one of my piano teachers, Marion Rogers, would do, um, he, would do uh, he would do workshops all over the state of Kentucky. But we would do together, we would do choir workshops and we would come together and people from all over the different counties would come together for choir workshops. And then we would have a choir concert on that Saturday or sometimes that Sunday afternoon. And the attire was always white tops, black bottles or colored tops and black bottles. When it got into the 2000s, it was blue jean tops and black bottoms. But it was always the same black bottoms. I remember that. I also remember when we used to have Sunday school. And um, I know it's quiet. I'm going somewhere for those of you who just like, I just feel like I'm reminiscing. I'm going, I have a reason for saying this. We had Sunday school and there was a teacher's commentary where the teacher would read out of their book uh, and then the students had their particular book that they would read out of. And then after Sunday school, we would come together for Sunday school assembly 
where we would come together and the students would sometimes read or they would uh, recite or call to memory the things that they got out of their particular class. I, I remember church. I remember vacation Bible school where we used to have a week-long thing of activities during the summer. That was during the time that people actually volunteered to serve. Long time ago. People volunteered. They would get off work because vacation Bible school was at night. Uh, a long time ago, but it was at night and parents would get off of work and they would come and they would serve and teach classes a long time ago. They would, they would serve and they would make sure that other people's students, not their own, but their other students would come together and we would eat hamburgers and hot dogs and all this stuff all throughout the week. And then on that Friday night, we would have an assembly where all the parents who were not able to help would come and we would do a display of all the different things that we had learned. I remember church trips. Sometimes go to Kings Island. Sometimes we would go to Kentucky Kingdom. Sometimes we would go to Six Flags in Georgia or all those different types of things that we would go do a choir. We would go do college tours. This sounds so archaic. Long time ago when church used to be community wise. We used to do lots of things like that. I remember that type of church. I remember revivals. Uh, not three-day revivals, five-night revivals, where, where we would have all different types of uh, preachers were preaching. People didn't come till Thursday and Friday. Because Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday was usually dry, but Thursday and Friday was when everybody would come. I remember church conventions uh, where everyone in the particular faith that they were connected to would come together and go to the Galt House, or they would go to Hyatt Regency, or they would go to different places. They would come together. I, I, remember, uh, I remember conferences where we would come together. I remember a church. I, I, I know church. I, I, I've seen church evolve. I've seen church change. I remember when you would never, I remember when you would never see someone on the stage or in the pulpit but the people who preached. Because the people who did not preach always used to have another table that they would minister, or they, would, they would give the announcements at, at the floor, or they would read the resolutions for a funeral on the floor. No one could come into the pulpit but the pastor. And if you did, if you did run up on the pulpit, if you were a child, your parent would snatch your life. If you just happen to run across the state of Mitchell tail, I mean, they would grab you and put the fear of God in you. I remember that. I remember that type of church. I remember the type of church where people would come up uh, for, we didn't call it altar call, we called it invitation. And people would come up and they would, uh, the deacons would stand behind a chair and we would sing a song and people would come up for either prayer or to give their life to Christ. And I remember that the church would vote on the confession. Do we have someone who would uh, take a motion and vote on the confession of this person's faith? I still try to figure out to this day how we're supposed to pass a motion when someone just got saved. I still don't figure, I can't figure it out, but we would vote on it though. Um, I remember that type of church. I, I remember church. I, I remember when preachers, all they wore was a suit. I remember when the most traditional of them would always wear a white shirt. That was it. They didn't have anything else. I remember the sermon would be 20 minutes, and that was it. I would be disqualified during that time. But I remember that. I remember uh, the time where I, re I grew up in the church where we had no drums. Uh, we had clapping. I remember a time in the church I was raised in where my dad didn't even like them to clap. You would get in trouble. You could tell we weren't sanctified. <laughs> but when you get in trouble, I remember those things. I remember how it evolved. I, I remember how it went from big choirs to praise teams. I remember how it went from Women's Day and Men's Day, and, and I, 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 I remember how we had packed churches, the 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock service, and then we would have afternoon service, and then we would go downstairs and drink church tea. And then we would have, have the cake with caramel icing on it. 
I remember church. I know church. As good as it is for me to recount those things that I know, what's interesting about knowing church is that sometimes when you know a thing, it keeps you from expecting anything more than what you know. When you know something, when you have familiarity with the history of how church has always been, sometimes it keeps you in where it's always been. And when something comes that's different than what you're used to and what you've seen, we revert back to how it always has been. Because I know church, and I know as I, when I when that, let, me, let me clean that up as well. I know church as it was for me. Everyone's experience in church was different. So we have to be careful with making blanket statements of saying we got to go back to how church was because everybody's experience was different. All of those things that I just mentioned might not have been your experience. For some of you, you've only been here for two weeks or for three months or for two years and you don't have any collection or have no recollection of any of those types of things. And that's okay. So we have to be careful of saying we gotta go back because the question really is go back where? And where exactly are we going back to? And why? Do we want to go back to it? Someone say, give me that. I'm trying to set you up. I really am. I want y'all to like me. You might not, but I'll try. So in this text, in this John, the fourth chapter, Jesus enters the scene. They open up in chapter, uh, verse one of chapter four, and it says that there was a competition going on in the streets between Jesus and John. John was his cousin. Going back and forth and they were saying, who baptizes more, John or Jesus? Jesus was not interested in competition because he was very secure in himself. So Jesus removed himself from that conversation and said, I, I don't have time to be concerned about who's doing more, who's doing the most, and who's greater than. I don't, I don't care about that. I know who I am. So he left the conversation. He told his disciples, he said, I need to go to Samaria. Now, they were on their way to Jerusalem, but he said, I need to go to Samaria. Now, historians say uh, that Samaria was not directly on the way. Um, he had to venture off the journey, but he was in the vicinity. He was not in the place, but he was on the way. And, and historians say that the word Samaritan comes from the word, Brandon, Sakar. The word Sakar means a drunken place or means lying place. So Jesus said, I need to go to Sakar or to Samaria. I want to pause just for a moment to thank God for the places that he reached me at. I want to pause just to thank God for the things and the places where he needed to come reach me. Uh, that it was not necessarily on the way, but I want to thank him that I was worth his detour. I want to thank God that he thought enough about me to come to a drunken spot 
to find where I was, to, to come to a place that others would have kept going. But he said, there's something about that place I got to go to. And I don't know if there's anybody in the room who you don't have a crystal story. You, your life wasn't for you a crystal stare. Everything was not always good for you. But is there anybody in the room who can say, I'm so glad that he came where I was. I, I'm so glad that he came exactly where I was. And I don't know nothing about church. I don't know nothing about Bible reading. I know nothing about a Bible plan. My father, my mother, oh, my father, my sisters, my cousins, nobody grew up in church. But I'm so glad he met me where I was. He had to go to Samaria. I, I just, I just, I can't get off of that. That he had to go that way. I, I'm just grateful that he had to veer off the path because I was on his mind. I want to talk to some people right now who you feel like because you're in a spot or particular area or a dry season that God does not have you on his mind. Oh, no, no, no. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where to find you. And he knows exactly when you need to be found. He said, I'm so glad I, I got to go that place. He went to the place called Samaria, a uh, place called Sakar, drunken place, lying town, went there. And there, as he went there, he said, I need to go to a particular location. Y'all have to pray for me because this is hard for me to minister because I just feel like running all through the room because y'all don't know where I'm going. But sometimes I just think about this word and I just want to start walking pews. Have y'all ever just had something? Have you ever had a, had a surprise for somebody or a gift that you want to give somebody and you are more excited about them opening it? <laughs> and you get to them, you like, open it, open it, open it. And that's how I feel about the word. I, I want you to get this so bad that I don't know what to do with myself. Someone say, just preach it. Just preach it. So, so he went there. He got there. And it says he went to a particular location. Someone say location. Got to a location. And it says and when he got there, he got tired. And he said he sat by a well. Scripture records it as Jacob's well. He sat there because he was tired. I want to pause, Pastor Newby, and I want to thank God for the places that I was able to sit at. I don't want you to miss it. Because this well was Jacob's well. For those of you who don't know Jacob, Jacob was someone in the Old Testament that was way before Jesus. Jacob was the son of Abraham. And Jacob, or the descendant of Abraham and Isaac. And he, Jacob, when you, with the script, when we talk about the God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's when we found Jacob was the one who was a surplanter. Jacob was the one who was a trickster. Jacob was the one who was in his mother's womb and he was fighting and wrestling with his brother Esau. Jacob was the the one who snatched the heel of his brother. Jacob was the one who sold his 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 sold his uh, got his brother's birthright. Jacob was the one who they called trickster. Jacob was the one who they said would never be anything. But Jacob was the same one who wrestled with God. And in the midst of his wrestling, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. But even though God called him royalty, the people still knew him as Jacob. What that means is you can change in God's eyes, but never change in people's. So they said, God, the Isaac, uh, son, uh, the God, the father of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what that means is sometimes you need to be reminded of who you were so you stay humble. I don't want you to call me by what my change in. Sometimes remember where I was because it reminds me that if it had not been for God, if it had not been for his grace, I would still be where I was. So it says he sat at a well, Jacob's well. Sat in a well, historically, that had served for generations. 
That's why I want to thank God for the well. Because there's a lot of us who are younger generation who we don't want to honor the wells that have been there for years. There's a generation of us who want to undo the wells that have been there for generations that have served us. But I want to take a moment and thank God for the mothers. Thank God for the fathers. Thank God for the people in the 60s and the 70s. And thank God for the people, your parents. And thank God for people, mentors and people who did what many of us would have never done. Many of them went to go eat at restaurants and had to go to the back of the restaurant because they could not go through the front door. We wouldn't have done it. Many of them who sat at counters just to make sure they protest and, and, and protest so they can make sure that they were heard. We wouldn't have done it. John Lewis and all of them did different things to make sure there was voting right acts. And some of us didn't even go to Washington yesterday. We wouldn't do it. I want to thank God for the whales. People who did things that, that many of the women, all they could do was clean houses. Couldn't get a job because they were not respected. All they did was clean houses and made minimal wage and do whatever they had to do. And the men went out to work and came home at night. And we have people who don't want to work today, but we couldn't do it. I want to thank God for the whales. Thank God for the people who served in that time, during that difficult time. They were building universities. During that time, they were building churches. They were being persecuted, but they kept worshiping. They were persecuted, but they kept doing things and kept growing things and kept being things. Being entrepreneurs in hard times. Frederick Douglass and many of them, they walked for miles to get an education. And many of us won't even go online. I want to thank God for the whales. Thank God for the people who sacrificed that we might be able to have what we have today. And do what we did. And the reason I thank God for the well is because had the well not been there, Jesus wouldn't have been able to sit there. There are many of you who are sitting on somebody else's story. You are sitting on somebody else's sacrifice. Many of you are sitting on somebody else what they did because you won't do anything. You sleep till 11. But there are many other people who got up early and did different things to make sure that we have what we have. Can we thank God for the wells? Things that have served as well. And what you don't appreciate, you disrespect. You say, I wouldn't do it, you won't. And you wouldn't. You critique everything because you don't understand the sacrifice and what it took, hold on, to dig a deep well. A deep well that would serve for generations, that would keep going long after they died, that would keep serving a deep well. Jesus sat at the well because he was tired. He went to a location. Went there, and when he got to that location at that well, I don't want to bore you, got there, and then it says that he met a woman there. Now, I'm trying to give you all the back end before I get where I'm going. It was interesting to note that it was a woman because rabbinical law prohibited men from engaging with women. Men did not publicly have discourse with women. That's where oftentimes you hear the scripture that has been taken out of context. When people say that women should be silent in the church. How many of you have heard that? Yeah, half the people read the Bible. So, <laughs> see how quiet y'all got you. I read mine, I ain't read that one. Half, well, it says women ought to be silent in the church. What we use that to say is women can't preach. That's not what that was talking about. It was talking about according to the culture of that time, women were not in public discourse and women were not in public conversation with each other with men asking them biblical questions. 
They would meet privately and they would talk about different things, but they were not able to publicly do that. The rabbis weren't able to do it. Husbands weren't able to do it. So they said, let them keep silent at the home. So there were women and men did not come together, not just women and men, but especially not a Jew and a Samaritan. It's important because Samaritans were known as half-breeds. Gentiles, they were a mixture of Gentiles and Jews. They were not fully, and, and the historians say, and I, I know some of y'all don't like history, but I'm trying to, I, you gotta have this before I get you where you're going. It says that, it says that many of them, when, the, when it's flipped, because when the Samaritans were in power, they put the Jews in slavery. So now the table has shifted, and now the Jews are in position, and now here it is, a Jewish man is talking to a Samaritan woman who is known as a half-breed. Someone that they don't usually talk to and are enemies. I want to thank God for talking to me when I was his enemy. Maybe none of you have been God's enemy. But scripture says that when I was still his enemy in sin, he loved me. I want to tell everybody right now who you haven't made a decision to love God and give your life to God. Just because you haven't made a decision doesn't mean he's not in pursuit of you. Doesn't mean that you're not still on his mind. Jesus met with this woman at the well. She came there. They were enemies, but they came there together. And Jesus was sitting there. He sent the men away. The men went into town to go buy food. But Jesus had an encounter. He had a divine appointment with this woman. This woman came there. She came to another location. Someone say location. Jesus came to a location. The woman came to a location. But they all came to that location for different reasons. I want to tell you that there are people sitting in this room right now who are at the same location, but are here for different reasons. I want to tell you right here in this room, there are people who are sitting physically in a location, but their mind is not where they're sitting. We are all sitting in the same location, but the person you're sitting beside has one thing on their mind and another agenda that you have. We're all in the same place, but we're not all thinking about the same thing. I'm preaching one message, but everybody is getting something different from it. We're all at the same location. Someone say location. Uh, but this woman came to the same location Jesus was at. And when she got to this location, scripture says that as soon as she got there, Jesus responds to this woman. And he says to her, give me something to drink. She says to him, she responds. She said, how can you ask me for something to drink? And you have nothing to draw with. Because what brought her to the location was a method. I don't want y'all to lose me. She came to the location based on a method. Someone say method. What is the method? Because when she said you have nothing to draw with, what she was saying is based on the method, you must not know how this thing works. She said there is a way that you go about getting water. There is a routine based on how we go about getting water. Sir, you must not know how this thing works because the method says that you don't have anything to draw with, so you shouldn't be asking me for water. How are you going to get water from me? Because the method says if you come to the well, you got to have something to draw water with because the well is deep. Jesus responds to her. He said, I didn't come to this location, to this well, to follow a method. I came here to give you a message. 
And the message is, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink instead of you following your method. I want to thank God for him giving me a message in the midst of me following my method. Because there are a lot of people who are more method bound than message oriented. You want to follow the method, but don't want to receive the message. So she came to the well based on, based on ritual and based on method, on method. And she responds to him and she says, according to method, she says, our fathers built this well. Our fathers built this well. Are you greater than our fathers? Are you greater than what has been? Are you greater than routine? This is how it's always been because denomination tells me, routine tells me, that this is how this is supposed to go. Are you greater than what's always been? Matter of fact, who are you? Who are you to come to my city and not know the method? Who are you to come to my church and not know the method? Because this is how this goes. This is how we operate. This is how we dress. This is where this goes. And this is how the method dictates how this is supposed to go. And Jesus messes up her method and responds to the method and said, the method is not as important as the message that I have to you. He says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me. He says, you keep coming to this well following a method. And your method is only giving you today satisfaction. I know where I'm going. This method is only giving you a drink for today. You came here, Carrie, you came here because your method said you were thirsty. Your method brought you here because you needed something. Well, you came here based on routine. And in your routine, I got you a message. But you keep going back to your routine and your method. Because your method dictates that I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, he, you're looking for something that's going to quench your thirst. But what I'm telling you is this thing you're looking for is only going to give you enough for today. But if you knew what I have and what I have to give you, I would make sure you have a spring of water that comes out from, up, comes out from your life where you never have to thirst again. I want to make sure that you don't have to be rule oriented. I want to make sure that you don't have to keep coming to a well because you are the well. You keep coming to a building because you think the building makes you a church. You keep coming to hear me on Sunday because you're thirsty and you think this one little drop is going to carry you to next Sunday. You've been dry all week long. You've been thirsty all week long. I'm not talking about thirsty for a man or a woman, but you've been thirsty all week long wanting something. And you expect and you put pressure on me to quench your thirst. And all I got is 40 minutes to pour water from you. And you want me to quench your thirst and blame me Wednesday if you can't fight the devils in your life. Came to a ritual came to a routine because that's what you've done historically 
come here all the time. That's what I do. I gotta go to church. Gotta dress up for church because I've been doing it for years. It's served us for years and that's what we do and that's when the praise and worship comes. So the praise and worship is gonna last 20 minutes. I only go around 125 because the praise and worship is usually over and Pastor Mario is up by then because I don't need the worship. I just need the word and you miss the message because you waiting on my message when God can speak 20 minutes before you got here because you're following a ritual and there's a message beyond your ritual. Pastor Mario's not preaching, I'm not here. You think that I'm the only one God speaks to? Some of y'all would dry for the whole six weeks I was gone because you could only hear a word from one person. And the only person who can preach to me is Pastor Mario. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You better not ever get to a position that you make me your God because I am not your God. I need the same words you need. I need the same drink of water that you need. I am not greater. The reason you can't clap your hands is because you're guilty. But I want to tell you something. You better turn open your Bible and he that has an ear, hear what the Spirit says. Not what Pastor Mario says. I am not the greatest power. God is the greatest power. I ain't come to church depending on who preaches. What? It ain't the same. You dry. If you're thirsty, I need something that's better than Kool-Aid. When I'm thirsty, I need something more than soda, more than pop. I need something. I need water. Somebody say, give me that. Woman came because she was thirsty. But when she got thirsty, she wanted to critique how she got it. How are you going to be thirsty for something, but then critique how somebody gives you a drink? How are you going to need deliverance, but then critique how deliverance gets to you? How are you going to need freedom, but then critique how freedom comes to you? When you're thirsty, I need that. Somebody say, give me that. When I'm strung out on drugs, I don't care who helps me. Somebody help me. When I'm drowning in the pool, I don't care who gets in the water to get me out. I can't swim. Help me. When you don't have a job, I don't care what job it is. I need money. Somebody say, give me that. Woman got there. I'm not trying to preach hard. I ain't trying to yell. One of the children came to me in the lobby last week. Children said to me, they said, Pastor Mario. I said, yeah. Could you not holler so much? I said, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. But sometimes when I'm thirsty, a holler comes out of me. Sometimes when I'm thirsty, I keep thinking about the times that he quenched my thirst. When I think about all the times that I was at a well, and I think about all the times that I didn't think I was going to get a drink, and he gave me a drink anyway. I didn't even know what I wanted. I didn't even know what I needed. I didn't even know what was in my life. But sometimes it makes me want to holler. Somebody say, give me that. So she said, he said, if you knew what it was and who's asking you to give he said you would have something that would spring up in you I don't know if you need something that springs up in you I don't know if you ever needed a season where you needed something that would just spring up on you that in the midst of battle in the midst of storms in the midst of heartache you needed something to spring up on you because I want to give you an announcement for the battle and for the demons you face in this life you don't need just a drop you need something that's going to spring up in your life somebody say spring up 
Somebody say spring up because the devils I've been fighting and the things that have been attacking my mind, I don't need just a drop. I need you to give me the whole thing. Somebody say give me that. Jesus said, I'm trying to give you more than a drop. I'm trying to give you more than something that's going to have you come back to this. Some of us keep coming back to something because we think that the only spot is that. Because the woman, she said, are you greater than our fathers? Because this is the only place we come to. We can't get a drink outside of here. This is the only place we can get a drink. And there are some of y'all who are mourning because the only place you used to get a drink closed down. The only place that used to serve you don't work no more. Some of you, the only reason you came to Grove Point is because you got tired of going to a traditional well that all it was doing was giving you a drop. And you needed something that would spring up inside of you that was more than a drop. Can I get somebody that will holler at your boy and say, give me that? Oh. He said it'll spring up in you. She responded to him, Mother Higgins. She responded and said, give me that water. Give me that. I want that. Because I'm tired of coming here. I'm tired of coming to a spot. Because every time I fall into sin, I got to keep coming back to this. I got to keep following these routines. I got to keep following this thing. I, I don't want this. Give me that thing that's going to keep springing up. Jesus responded to her because basically what she was saying is, I need liberty. I want that freedom. Somebody say freedom. Liberty is defined as freedom. It is defined as a privilege or the opportunity or permission to go into an area that you would not normally go into. Liberty. I want to talk about that word for a minute because Mama Doris and, and Angie, I can tell you there have been many people in the six years of this church who I've seen shout and shout and say they were free. I've seen people run around this church, I'm free, freedom, freedom, I got freedom. I've seen them, I've seen them fall on the floor. I've seen them make posts talking about freedom. I've seen people tweet saying freedom. I've heard them sing songs, freedom, freedom, no more shackles, no more chains, no more bondage, I am free. I've heard it. All of us have been shouting about freedom. I lost you. Because y'all like, I did it. Yeah, I did too. Freedom. All of them, freedom. And we shout about it. I'm so glad I go to Growth Point. I'm so free there. I ain't never been so free. I'm just free. Free. I'm just free. What happened to Growth Point? Freedom, girl. Freedom. Child freedom. Well, I, I want to explain freedom. Because Jesus, when she said, give me that, which was saying freedom, you know what Jesus' response to her freedom was? He said, all right, go call your husband. She said, huh? <laughs> Where they do that at? 
She said, we were talking about water. He said, yeah, call your husband. She said, I ain't got one. He said, right. <laughs> You're right. He said, because if you want freedom, you want liberty, you're going to have to first tell the truth. I want to look at y'all. The first thing you got to do, you can't have freedom without truth. Freedom is not a dance. Freedom is not church attendance. Freedom is dressed up in truth. Someone say truth. So she responded and said, I don't have a husband. He said, show you right, you don't. He said, and the one you living with, he ain't yours either. Reese, he said, you have five husbands. My Lord. Merciful Savior. He said, you've had five husbands. And the one you with, he ain't put a ring on it either. Well, I want to kind of clean up around that because we don't want to shame the woman. Because historians say, Mr. Ali said that possibly uh, she could have been married almost five times, four times possibly. Could have been. But according to Jewish culture, it says it's probably not likely because you're only allowed to be married so many times in their culture. So if that's not what happened, then possibly maybe she was a woman of meager fare because women were not socially allowed to do things. So maybe she hooked up with people who promised to support her for an exchange of goods and services. So possibly all the men she was with only thought she was good enough for goods and services, but did not want to join with her and be a, a husband to her, but thought that her body was enough for deposit, but not enough for devotion. So he thought that maybe she wasn't good enough. So maybe she kept going from man to man, trying to find someone who would see the value in her and no one saw the value in her. So possibly her, her identity and her self-esteem had gotten to the place that she only felt that all she was good enough was for her goods and services. Maybe that that's the point that she got to. Where she came to the well, because those of you who don't know the story, scripture says she came to the well, Brother Barry, by herself. The reason she came by herself is because no one in the town wanted to be associated with her. She came at a time that no one else would be there but her. But isn't it something how when you think you're by yourself, Jesus knows exactly where you are. Can we take a moment right now in the room that when we thought we were by ourselves, can we just flash back on some moments and thank God for the times he showed up just when I thought I was by myself? Have you ever just got a phone call randomly from somebody and someone said, God just laid you on my mind? Have you ever got a text message from someone? Someone just texts you and said, God, just put you on my heart. Have you ever been in the elevator and someone looked at you and said, you know what? I'm praying for you. Is there anybody in the room who God has just reminded you that you're not by yourself? That's what happened. Came to the well by herself because the rest of the the, the community didn't want to deal with her because of her history. Jesus said to her, he said, he said, truth, you're going to have to, if you're going to have liberty, you're going to have to have truth. You're going to have to have that. And she says, oh, 
I perceive you are a prophet. That's what happens when you start talking about people's sins and their things. I perceive you're a prophet and that you know things. She said, our fathers worshiped on this well. Uh, that's what they, they came. Uh, they basically talk about Mount Gerizim. They came here and, and this is where we believe that, that Abraham offered up his son Isaac. This is the place. And, and we believe that, that this is the place that the Messiah is coming. And he's going to come back and he's going to restore true method worship. He's going to restore rules back. He's going to put things back in order. We're looking for this person who's going to come in the future, him. Jesus said, what you're looking for, I am he. He said, you're looking for someone to restore order. I am the order. What you're looking for, I am he. He said, you're looking for something that's me. He said, you're looking for something. You're looking for some little place or spot. He said, no. The hour is coming, and now is, when those who worship him must worship him. Before I get there, the word worship means worth-ship. It means to put something in esteem value. It means to ascribe worth to something. So when we say worship, we're meaning ascribe worship to him. He responds to the woman and said, you ascribe worth to what you don't know. Because you think that this is the place. You worship the location. That's not what's to be worshipped. What is to be worshipped is the object, not the location. You are concerned about the method. But I'm not ever going to be tied to a method. You want me to honor the ritual. I'm the God of the ritual. You keep praying to creation, but I'm the creator. You keep praying to the universe, and the universe ain't doing nothing for you. I lost half of y'all. I pray to the one who created the universe. He said, for God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That spirit means you've got to, if you're going to have liberty, it's going to come through truth and it's going to come through spirit. Which means spirit is the essence of me. It means you're going to have to worship from a spot you can't trace me. Many of us know the method. We know the well. But Jesus said, I'm greater than the well. There's coming a, a time where you're not going to just worship at a location. But this thing is going to hit you anywhere. There's going to come a time that you won't get a worship on Sunday. But the worship's going to hit you at the stoplight. There's going to come a time that you're going to be in the shower. And it's going to hit you in the shower. There's going to come a time. That you're going to be trying to cook food and it's going to hit you at the stove. There's going to come a time that you're going to be at death's doorstep with one of your family members. And instead of crying, you're going to lift your hands and say, God, I still praise you. I still trust you. There's going to come a time that the spirit's going to hit you anywhere and not at a location. You are bound to a location, woman. But I'm trying to tell you, you don't need a location to worship me. 
The hour is coming and now is when those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. The truth is that when you want liberty, tell the truth. And when you want the spirit, tell the truth. Say it again. When you want a move of God, tell the truth. When you want deliverance, tell the truth. If you want freedom, tell the truth. If you want to be baptized in my spirit, tell the truth. We don't shout about that part. That's why nobody's shouting now. Because we want, we want liberty without accountability. I want to be free, but accountable to nobody. I want freedom in my life, but I don't want to tell the truth. If you don't tell the truth, you can't have the spirit. Because sometimes there are things that are keeping the spirit from flowing in my life. And it's based on my confession of truth. Sometimes I have to say, I'm not in the right place. I'm not where I need to be. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. And I'm saved. I'm saved and I throw hands. Try Jesus, not me. Because I throw hands. It's me. Someone say it's me. And that's the part that divides the wheat from the tear. Because you do know you can grow up in church and lie all your life. When you meet people, we get up and say, first giving honor to God who's the head of my life. Pastor, first lady, mothers, evangelists, teachers, and friends. I just want to thank God for being saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and your attitude is nasty. <laughs> but we don't tell that part. We hide in colloquialisms. We hide in Christianese. We know church work, but Jesus didn't come that you might have church. Jesus came that you might have life. There are scriptures that talk about laziness. There are scriptures that talk about gluttony. There are scriptures that talk about lust. But we can't be shouting all the time and not living in freedom. Because if you're going to live in freedom, you got to tell the truth. Truth is, I'm tired. I'm all churched down. That's the real truth. But some of you all, when you say you're churched out, what you mean is your well's not working. You're blaming the well for your dry season. And baby, it ain't the well. It's that you won't tell the truth. What got you to the well anyway? What brought you to the spot anyway? Because you wouldn't have gotten to the well if you weren't thirsty. I did not come to church today because I had everything together. I am not preaching today because I got everything together. I'm here because I'm thirsty. I'm here because I need his presence. And I need a refill. I need a refill. Look at somebody around you and say, I need a refill. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what he did, but I can't sit at where he did. I can't keep going to go visit where he was. 
I can't keep going back and saying, God, give me church how it used to be. It might be dried up. If I want a fresh spring of his spirit, I've got to be willing to tell the truth to say, I thank God. Someone told me last week and they said to me, and I'm almost through. Someone said to me last week, they said, you know what, Pastor? You were preaching real hard and you were talking about different things in Lexington. And you were talking about this area and you were talking about the methods that we use. And you know what? If you keep preaching like that, he said, you know, you ain't going to get no engagements and nobody's going to invite you to preach. He said, nobody's going to invite you to preach in that church. He said, because you can't keep preaching like that. And I said, you know, I appreciate that. But I'm not here to preach for invitation. I honor what raised me. I honor what taught me. I respect everything I learned. I respect everything I got. I got certificates for all of it. I thank God for it. However, God called me. He called me at these places and he raised me at these places. But God never called me to make the well my Lord. It served me, but it was not supposed to become my God. Many of us have made, many of us have gotten to the point that we no longer see a fresh move of God because we keep wanting to defend the well. Give me what it used to be. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord. We want to go back. And so many of us want to go back that we can't go forward. We can't even move forward because all we want to do is go visit places. This is the place where that, that, that pew right there. Oh, I wish you would have been there when I came through. The church was on fire with the Holy Ghost too. All that stuff. We want to keep going back. And Jesus is saying the well was there only to introduce you to what's in you. The well was only there to introduce you to what's in you. That's why Jesus told the disciples. He said that there's greater things than you should do. Second Corinthians 3rd chapter verse 17 says where the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. Where is the spirit? In me. Someone say in me. That means what I'm chasing for is in me. I don't have to go searching for something that I already have. Someone holler at I already have it. That's why he said to her, he said, the hour's coming that you don't have to chase for it. You already got it. It's already in you. The woman, the men came, and I'm through here. The men came. The disciples came back after they went to go to Arby's to go get some food. And they came back to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, uh, Jesus said, we got some food for you. We went and we found some food. And Jesus said, I'm already full. I've already eaten. And they said, who gave him food? You sitting here talking to this woman that we're still trying to figure out, but we're not addressing her. We're trying to figure out who fed you. Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. He said, my will is to do the will of God. My meat is to do the will of God who sent me. The woman came, I don't want to miss this. The woman came with a water pot to get her water pot full. But after her encounter with Jesus, she dropped her water pot and ran back into the city. You know you met Jesus when you forgot what you came with. You know you've been with Jesus when you forgot what you came with. When you forgot the struggle you came in here with. You forgot the heaviness you came in here with. You forgot the load that you were carrying because you've been with him and you decided that he was more than that. 
She dropped it and she went back into the town and it says that she went from a location. She went from truth. She went from spirit and she went back into the town testifying. And she said to everyone in the town, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. The people who said women can't be used preached the first sermon. Come see a man. That was her sermon title. Come see a man. Point was who told me everything I ever did. Everybody in the city knew everything she did. Oh, she said, oh, I got to meet him. I got to meet somebody who told you everything you ever did because we already know what you did. So we got to go meet him. They went to Jesus. They went out to the well, went out to the well. They didn't come for thirst. They came for confirmation. There are some people that are friends of yours who are not thirsty like you, but they need confirmation. They came to the well based on confirmation. And when they got to the well, they, they heard Jesus. They encountered Jesus. And then they turned to the woman and said, now we believe. Not because of you, but because we've heard him. Someone say, give me that. I'm through. There are some of us here, you're so thirsty. And you need something more than what you've been. You need, see, you need something more than the well that has served you for a long time. It's been good. And it served my friends. It served my family. It served everyone I'm connected with. And it's good. And I'm grateful for it. But the well you're looking for is in you. There's something that needs to spring up in you. There's something that God wants to do in you. There's a level that God wants to take you at that's greater than a location. That's greater than just coming to feel a ritual and a routine. Church was not designed for routine. It was designed to have a room full of thirsty people. To say, I came here because I'm thirsty. I came to this well because nothing is satisfying or quenching my thirst. And I need something greater than what I've seen. I want to know right now before I end, is there anybody in the room who is with me? That you are at a place right now that if you would be really truthful and honest and transparent, just to say, I've been in a real dry season and I need the outpouring of his spirit. I need that well. Location hasn't done it. But this right here that I've been doing is not working. And I need an outpouring. I need a well. I need something to spring it forth. I need him to flow. I need it to flow into me. If there's anybody here that's bold enough to stand to your feet all over the room and say, that's me. I need a flowing. I, I, I've been dry. It's been a hard season. I've been blaming everybody, but it's not them. It's I'm thirsty and I need a well. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody at home, if you're at that place, thank you, sister. You're at a place where you're saying, I'm, I'm just thirsty. I need a well. I need something that springs up into me. I need something more than this. I need something greater. Thank you, sister. I need something greater than this. I, I, it's been dry. And I admit, I need, I need something more. I need something more. Those of you who raise your hand, will you lift your hands where you are, where you're standing? Those of you at home, lift your hands as well. Thank you for lifting your hands. For those of you who don't need anything, that particular prayer that wasn't for you, that's fine. But for the rest of you who might not have stood, I believe there are some of you who you need to pledge your allegiance to Jesus and not the well. Some of you have been more, had more allegiance to what served you. And what's happening with you right now is that your well has dried up. 
and you're lost. Church as I knew it, it doesn't work. It's not like that anymore. And I just don't know what to do. I'm looking for something. I don't know what it is. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the well. And if there's anybody right here who, who wants to just, just stand and say, I just want to say, Lord, I'm sorry for serving that and not you. Like that's been more, that, that's meant more to me than you have. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm wanting you to move like that. And you ain't moving like that no more. Lord, how are you moving? I want freshness. I, I want, I need a new, I need something. I need something new. If that's you, will you stand too? Will you stand? Because I want everybody who's just ready for something new, something fresh. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Something new, something fresh. Scripture says, behold, I do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? Father, every hand that's raised. All my sisters, all my brothers, everybody who's standing. Father, bless them with fresh flow. Bless them with fresh flow. Yes, I'm With fresh flow. Fresh flow. I want you to say that out of your mouth. I need fresh flow. Thank you. Say that again. Say it out of my love. I need fresh flow. Everything that's been stale, wash it away. I need fresh flow. I need something beyond tradition. I need something beyond routine. I'm dry. I'm confused. I'm tired of this, like this. This is not it. I need fresh flow. I need fresh flow. In Jesus' name, flow. Sheva, flow. Flow. Now, for everybody else in the room, this is what I want you to do. Everybody in the room, everybody in the room, if you wouldn't mind, stand. Everybody in the room. What I want to do right now, I want everybody in this moment, sometimes. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at My Growth Point. Until next time, keep growing.